we were going down the escalator and 100% of people were looking up at us. You know, <laughs> and I would say that 98% were laughing. You know, we got off the escalator and this father stood up, walked over to us. And I was mm. like, oh, man, here we go. You know, and he came over and he just broke into this enormous smile and he said, oh man, that is so cool. I wish I had the guts to do that with my daughters. extroverts and everyone in between. I'm your host Chelsea Heaney and I am so excited about our guest today. He is the best-selling author and illustrator of the incredible children's book My Shadow is Pink. It is a book inspired by his young son and it's all about breaking gender stereotypes. Please welcome to the show Scott Stewart. Hey how are you doing? Good thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm very excited to have you here. Me too. My pleasure. So I guess I just want to jump straight into it. Have you always known that you wanted to be an author? Yeah, that's a really funny question. Um, you know, I feel as though it, there, there was this study done by the New York Times a long time, you know, a while ago, and it said 95% of people want to have written a book, but only like 1% <laughs> actually want to, you know, sit down and write the book. Um, and that's pretty much who I was, you know, I was the author who didn't put words on paper. Yeah. Um, I, I remember being in grade three and, uh, I was asked, what do I want to be? And my number one thing was I want to be an author. Um, and then at about 28 years old, I still hadn't written a story. Um, and so, yeah. you know, and, and I think sometimes we just need a little bit of external impetus to actually get started on our dreams. And, you know, uh, for me, it was the birth of my son, you know, so when he was born, I really wanted to, you know, write a story that was about a young boy with his name and, you know, just have some fun with it. So one night, it, it was probably only a couple of months after he was born, I sat down and, you know, I just started writing this story, like the very first, you know, children's book I'd written. And, you know, suddenly it was 5.30 in the morning and, you know, <laughs> I'd been writing this thing for eight hours and I was having the time of my life and the book wasn't particularly good, you know, <laughs> but I just, I loved it, you know. And so then literally from then uh, I have been writing um, and, you know, but it's funny because I've been around the industry, you know, for so long, you know, yeah. uh, you know I, a couple of interesting dives into totally different careers very early but then you know I loved you know visuals and animation and film and all that sort of stuff so I wanted to be in and around that industry so I became a designer of all things um, and you know I kind of dabbled in you know this stuff and everybody kept telling me I was a storyteller but I wasn't telling stories and eventually yeah my son was born and I got started. That's really cool it's such a sort of you know, roundabout, you wanted it and then you didn't do it and then you ended up there. So, I know. yeah, that's really cool. It's funny you talk about, you know, like people not wanting to put the effort in. I, um, when I was like, um, 
probably like four or five or something, you know, I did, I did dance, you know, ballet, tap and jazz and all those things. And, um, you know, we did our really big concert because I, I hated the rehearsal side of things, <laughs> like the repetitiveness, the rehearsal side of things. And we did the show at the end of the year and I absolutely loved it. And then I said to my parents afterwards, I was like, that was great. I can just do the concerts now. I know all the dances. I don't need to rehearse. <laughs> um, I'm and, here by a professional forever. Yeah, yeah. And that's where my dancing career died. Um, but, um, <laughs> thankfully, I um, learned to put in a little bit more effort to things now. <laughs> well, it's kind of like I have always wanted to have run a marathon, you know. Yeah. But the actually going out and training and actually running it just does not interest me that much. But I still want to have done it in the past. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. You want to be able to check it off and say, this is a thing I achieved, but not actually do it. That's but right. you have achieved something pretty incredible with your writing. Thanks. So, I mean, you said that your first, you know, that first thing you wrote was a children's book. Yep. Um, did you sort of, have you have you just written children's book? Did you branch out of that or do you sort of really love the children's books and, and that's really where your passion is? I absolutely love uh, children's books. Um, you know, of the uh, all, all the ones that I have published are children's books, um, and I've been working on a novel for four years, and I'm still working on it. You know, but children's books, I keep pumping them out. You know, yeah. um, so uh, I absolutely love them. Like I just love storytelling in yeah. general I love creating a world I love coming up with an idea and then you know coming up with you know knowing that that first idea I had even though I really love it is not very good you know mm -hmm. and then finding you know new ways of expressing that idea and in children's books you know I feel as though with longer stories, you can kind of get lost in the length of it and you, yeah. you've been writing for two and a half years and then you look back and you go, oh, this actually is not very good. <laughs> you know, but the great thing about a children's book, which is only 400 words, you know, you uh, you get through it. You get through the first draft, you know, for yeah. me, quite quickly. The first draft happens quite quickly and the first draft is always terrible, very <laughs> terrible. You know, But I get through that quickly and then I can kind of look back and see if I have have like the the beginning of something okay you know yeah. and I can see you know, it it finished in a terrible way but I can see it finished and now I can go back and actually create the thing that I wanted to create so yeah. I'm still working on the novel like most people <laughs> uh, but um, I, I will get there eventually yeah but that's the thing with with children's books and you know same with with other types of short writing short stories and, and poems and that type of thing you know you it's sort of short and sweet like you get to the point and you make your point whereas you know obviously novels are fantastic as well but they sort of you know they go through that in and out and you know there's so many different paths that get you to that final point whereas you know in in shorter writing you can sort of make your message clearer maybe yeah, for sure. And look, I think the the most important thing for any creative is to just completely understand their own personality, you know, and right. my personality, you know, as a creative is I need to get in, get it finished and then go back and edit yeah. and play and sit with it, you know, and throw it in the bin if needed and, you know. <laughs> But the sitting with something for a really, really, really long time and it not being finished yet, it's just not, 
you know, something that sits in my personality or it doesn't yeah. yet, you know, so I'm working on it. But, you know, person, you know, self-awareness is key with it, I guess. Yeah, totally fair. And you have also illustrated, um, I believe, all of your books. How have you always um, you know, done drawing and illustrating, or is that something new as well? Um, so that's actually kind of funny. So the very first uh, book that I, I wrote, I, I sat with it for a year and a half, and I still hadn't done anything with it, just this manuscript. And I kept saying, I'm going to illustrate this thing. I'm going to illustrate this thing. And a year and a half passed, and I was like, why don't I just pay somebody else to illustrate this book? You know, so the first book that I self-published uh, yeah. was illustrated by somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, but everything since then has been illustrated uh, by myself. Um, but illustration for me, it kind of came – a little, like very sporadically, you know, I loved drawing as a kid. Um, I was never particularly fantastic at it, but I just loved it. Um, and then as I became a, you know, a young adult, um, I was kind of known as somebody who was okay at drawing, but I really wasn't, you know, <laughs> I was kind of terrible at it. And I still remember I sat down and I drew one of my girlfriends a portrait of them, you know, for their birthday. And I, I, I saw a photo of it, you know, maybe a year ago. Um, and I was like, man, they were so generous in their praise because that thing is an abomination. It's terrible, you know. Um, but I have actually, you know, I've always loved illustrating, but I've always had very low confidence in my illustrating. And one of the things with drawing, especially, you know, kind of the drawing I do now, you know, even now I can sit down and I can start drawing and this, this is my process for drawing. I sit down, I start drawing, I go, this sucks, I delete everything, you know, and then I come <laughs> back the next day, I start drawing again, this still sucks, you know, I delete everything, you know, and then as I approach a deadline, you know, um, I draw it and I'm like, well, I'm too close to the deadline to delete it, so let's stick with that. And then now I'm, I'm even closer to the deadline, so now let's actually make it start looking good you know, and then suddenly it turns into something I like. I'm like, well, that not that just the kind of secret of everything is just putting down really crappy first drafts yeah. and then making them better as you go along. So um, I, I wouldn't say I have always been an illustrator, but I draw pictures and I'm fortunate enough to uh, get paid to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like maybe you do well under pressure then if it's sort of that deadline that pushes you to get it the way you like it. Potentially, you know, I uh, I remember when I was early in my graphic design career, I would sit with projects for a really long time. You know, I had to, I'd have to create like uh, I I did a lot of work with like Disney, DreamWorks, Warner Brothers, like in their toy division. Wow. Um, and you know, I'd I'd get a brief and I'd sit with it for you know, a week going, I have no idea what to do with this thing. And then I just became more confident knowing that as the deadline would approach, I'd always have something to show, you know. Yeah. And, and so uh, eventually I'd realized that it's just literally just making the decision of, you know, like moving forward with a design, a concept, a drawing, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. 
And once you kind of commit to that decision, then it's easy to make something look good. But until you kind of commit to that, everything's terrible, you know. So, um, and I'm definitely somebody where that deadline forces that decision yeah. uh, and helps me along the path. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, I think I see that in myself as well. Like when I was at uni, it was always my, the stuff that I started like weeks before it was due, I wouldn't get the best marks on and the stuff I wrote the day it was due would always be great. I was like, that's a terrible lesson to learn. I should I know, not be learning to do everything last minute. That is definitely the lesson I learned at uni too. And I wish I had learned a different <laughs> one, but I definitely learned that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I wanted to ask as well, you know, to do with your your drawing and and the style that you draw in now, you know, I think every illustrator and and especially, I think, cartoons, everyone has their own style. You know, you can draw a bunch of different characters, but you can obviously see that it's the same person drawing them. So how did you find that particular style for yourself? That is a really interesting question. I'd love to give you a really, like, profound answer, but basically (laughs) I – Every time I draw something, um, it ends up in that style. Um, I I literally look at other people's art and I try and replicate it. And, you know, every time I start drawing outside of that style, I just, I hate it, you know. And uh, I really enjoy drawing in, you know, the style that I draw in. Uh, I know that's, you know, there's a whole artistic side of that that um, I could be pushing further, you know, but I really love the way that I draw um, and just everything just would keep coming back to that. I would I'd look at a, uh, a reference photo and I'd draw it and then I'd kind of look at the drawing and I'm like, oh, there's that same style again, you know. <laughs> um, you know but basically, like, as I was, you know, kind of going through uh, my career drawing, I would just draw so much stuff in so many different styles and I was just looking for something that felt nice Mm -hmm. you know and so many things as I was kind of saying I just kind of hated drawing um and then as I kind of started drawing the way I um draw now uh, it just feels really nice it feels I feel confident and comfortable doing it which you know as soon as you feel confident drawing you're draw a hundred times better um so that's kind of how I develop drawing a lot and just recognizing and admitting when I just hated the process of something (laughs) and looking for ways that I actually really enjoyed it yeah yeah fair enough it's really cool and um well I want to talk about the the main thing that um I think most people would know you for which is your new book uh my shadow is pink um which is just an incredible book can you tell us a bit about what that book is about yeah, so um, the book is about a young boy who is born with a pink shadow that loves princesses, fairies, and things, you know, traditionally you know, not for boys. Um, and more than anything, he just wishes that he had a blue shadow like his dad. Um, it's really a story of acceptance, learning to be true to yourself, and having the courage and confidence to do so. Um, it's a story that's based on my mm-hmm. own son. Um, so my son is somebody who you know, kind of famously completely is in love with Queen Elsa <laughs> and, you know, dresses and all things, you know, in that world. And um, you know, so, so when he was three, he fell in love with Elsa and he came home from childcare one day and somebody had told him that Elsa was only for girls. It wasn't for boys. Um, and I just remember like being, 
as seeing how devastated he was and just going, wishing there was more media out there that reflected a young boy who was breaking yeah. a gender stereotype. Um, and I, I, I got online, you know, and I was Googling like crazy, trying to find books that uh, reflected that. And I found a few, not many, but I found a few. And most of the ones, not all, but most of the ones that I found weren't particularly empowering. You know, the message yeah. was more change yourself and fit in oh. and you'll be great, you know. Oh, good um, message. And mm. you know, not all were like that. Some were beautiful, but most yeah. of them were, you know, kind of in that range. And I just thought that's completely ridiculous. And so that night, you know, kind of similar to the first book I wrote, I sat down and I started working on this book. Um, I didn't finish until the next morning. I wrote the whole first draft. And then this one uh, was has definitely been – the biggest challenge of creating the book that I want to put in the world. It's, it took me three and a half years to get the, you know, the 400 word manuscript. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, now four years later, it's, you know, finally launched, you know, on shelves <laughs> and around the world. And fortunately to, you know, um, you know people liking it. Uh, but yeah, it, it was definitely a process kind of getting it right and getting the emotions and, you know, staying away from, you know, just the cliche stereotypes. Um, that's a long answer to a short question, but no, um, we yeah, like so, long answers. <laughs> so, so that's, uh, that's kind of what the book is about and, you know, how it came about. Yeah. And it's, I mean, like you said, it is sort of really something that that people because representation is such an important thing and you know the fact that that you went searching and searching and searching and and weren't able to find that thing that that you know you needed and your son needed um you know and you've now created that for for other people were you expecting the reaction that it's gotten um that is a really good question so i about two years ago um, I was part of a Facebook group that was like for children's book authors and I was still in, you know, what I would call kind of like phase 16 or something of that book. <laughs> you know, it was, it was like halfway to work towards where it is now. I thought it was finished at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I kind of came back to it a month after this time, I realized it was not done at all. Um, <laughs> but I, I post, I, I did a Facebook post about it. I'm just on this really small group Um, and within that group, it immediately like blew up and you had hundreds of comments, you know, and you tons of people kind of reaching out and saying that they really loved the concept. Um, And so that actually almost applied more pressure to me to make sure that the book actually like lived up to the concept. (laughs) Um, And that's probably why I kind of stepped back to, you make sure that the, the, the book was the highest quality I could. But, um, since about April, I started sharing the journey of my son and I online, Mm -hmm. uh, or not my son and I, our family, my son, my wife and I online, um, and kind of about him, how he breaks gender stereotypes and, immediately you know we were just kind of blowing up and going viral for a bunch of different things and so i knew there was definitely a market for it mm-hmm. um and then early on i knew the book was coming out uh in it was originally a few months earlier but COVID pushed yeah. it back um and i put this really vague 
post on my TikTok about it. It was super vague. I just kind of like you know, mentioned it, you know, not even by name, you know, just here's something I've been working on. Um, and it blew up to like a million views or something. And so I was like, okay, like this, I think this is going to go well. Um, <laughs> and then when I announced it, um, like the, the day I announced it, it hadn't even been put on Amazon yet. And like my publisher called me and was basically like, we've already sold out. Like we need to do another print run. I was oh my like, God. I, 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 I didn't even like, I, I said the name of the book, but I didn't even say it was available yet, you know? Um, <laughs> you know so it just like really blew up immediately. Um, and you know, so I, I wasn't expecting, I, I was expecting it to go well because I'd had those, you know, uh, reinforcement, you know, a couple of different times, but I wasn't expecting it to be where before, you know, the launch date of the book, we were already on the third print run. You know, I, yeah. I wasn't expecting that, you know, two weeks after launch, you know, we're going into multiple uh, language translations. Um, and, wow. You know, I really wasn't expecting it to to go that big that quickly, mm. and I am unbelievably, eternally appreciative and grateful that it has. <laughs> that's so cool. And another thing that's gone really viral is um, one of your TikToks of you actually dressing up as Elsa with your son to go to the movies. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, so um, when uh, Frozen 2 was coming to Australia, uh, the premiere was about November last year, 2019, somewhere around there, November, December. Um, my, we had basically planned out this entire you know, evening and we had planned it out for months, you know, because it, you know, <laughs> my son had fallen in love with Elsa when he was like three, you know, he was now six. He had three years of just Elsa, Elsa, Elsa. And now there's yeah. a new Elsa movie, you know? And so we were doing this massive thing. We were, you know, he was going to be dressing up. We were going to do like, you know, Elsa themed everything for <laughs> you know, the day. And, um, and as we started to get a bit closer, he, started to get really self-conscious about, you know, wearing his Elsa costume to the cinema. And this was actually the first time that he had had that uh, self-consciousness, yeah. you know, self self-confidence ish issue um, around wearing his um, one of his Elsa costumes. Like he wound them tons of times out in public. And this yeah. is the first time he'd you know, had that problem. Um, and so we you know, obviously spoke to him, but one of the things that we did to support him and kind of show that you can do anything you want and be whoever you want to be was I went on Amazon and I bought the biggest Elsa dress <laughs> I could find on there. And, you know, and my wife did too. She dressed up like Elsa as well, but that hasn't gotten anywhere near the attention. Um, and we dressed up as Elsa together and went, and it was this unbelievably beautiful evening where, you know, I still remember it was at IMAX in Melbourne, the mm -hmm. massive cinema. And to go into that cinema, there is this enormous escalator that goes down. You know, yeah. The cinema's kind of underground. And we were going down the escalator and you can just see all these tables of people and 100% of people were looking up at us, you know, <laughs> and I would say that 98% were laughing, you know, and so I was, as I was going down, I was just feeling so self-conscious yeah. and I was trying to 
put on this thing for my son, like, you mm-hmm. know, see, you know, everybody loves it, you know, but inside I'm like, oh, my God, this is a disaster. Yeah. And we, we got off the elevator, uh, the escalator, whichever one you call it, and um, this father stood up and left his family and walked over to us, and he kind of had this, like, kind of, you know, swagger on. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, man, here we go. You know, and he came over and he just broke into this enormous smile and he said oh man that is so cool I wish I had the guts to do that with my daughters and and that basically was just the theme of the of the what was that evening um you know the candy bar staff were unbelievably positive and heartwarming and you just everybody was so supportive and tons of people filming us um and we just had the the greatest time ever and so then you know, I originally was not going to post anything really about it at all. You know, my my wife um, had already posted a couple of things, you know, just kind of privately. And I wasn't even really interested in being on socials mm-hmm. that much, you know, at all. And um, as we were talking about it, uh, my wife said to me, you know, Scott, there are young boys all around the world who love the same things that our son loves. They love Elsa. They love, you know, things that are traditionally not for boys. Um, but they don't feel accepted. They don't feel loved. They feel they're, they're being made to feel, you know, uh, othered or, you know, wrong for, for those loves. And wouldn't it be great if there was just a dad on the internet who just showed them a whole bunch of just love and acceptance and you know that should be you and i was like oh, when you put it like that I'm like, oh, i've got to go online you know and so i literally put up that video it was the first video that i had spoken about you know things that we're really passionate about in this family about being true to yourself and um it immediately that one like the first time i posted that you know 21 million views or something you know buzzfeed calling you know daily mail calling um and you know it was it was not to the intention at all uh but it was such beautiful perfect timing and set up to launch my book a couple of months later um a lot of people thought that i you know i went viral and then so i quickly wrote a children's book uh, <laughs> in writing the book for a very long time um and uh, it just all serendipitously serendipitously just worked out into this kind of beautiful storm of events that just kind of led into our into our book launch and into the you know turning it into a film yeah um, I mean, you said there that, you know, your wife was saying there's, there's you know, all these young boys who, who you know, need that that validation and to feel seen. And and I just wanted to say as well that um, the way I found out about you and My Shadow is Pink is that my friend Hayden, they posted this article about, uh, I think it was about how you are turning into a film, which we will talk about as well. They posted that article on Facebook with the caption, I came across this after having a dream that I got to wear dresses to parties without being judged. Maybe my shadow is pink. Oh my God. I love that so much. Yeah. And they're probably, you know, 25. I'm not sure exactly how old Hayden is. And so that, you know, it, it's not just for kids. Like this is such an incredible thing, even for 
for older people to get that validation as well. And for me, I watched um, one of the videos of your Instagram where you read the story. Yep. Uh, and it's such a good book. And <laughs> Thank you. It gets to this part where you're talking about all these different types of shadows of people that sometimes they try and hide because they're not quote-unquote normal, but they really are okay. And you get to this one line that says, uh, her shadow likes girls. And I'm by, and that just like I had to catch my breath because <laughs> even though I knew what this book was about, I didn't expect to hear that line in a children's book. Yeah. Um. And so, oh my god. <laughs> um. And so, yeah. I. I mean, I. I'm in on a massive rant, but I just. I mean, basically, just thank you on behalf no. of like everyone that's ever felt. Like well, thank you so much for that unbelievably <laughs> kind you know statement. Um, but it's interesting, you know, that's uh, my my book. Um, so many publishers and people like there is an assumption that it is about a, a kid who is LGBTQ. You know, um, but it's it's not. It is definitely you know, open to that interpretation. It's about you know, it, it's literally just talking about the interest of a child. Um, and it kind of says a lot about, you know, society that, that you know, it immediately means, you know, that that must be sexuality or gender or something like that, you know. But um, I, when I wrote that line about, um, you know, her shadow, she hides it, her shadow likes girls, um, I, I had it in there and I sat with that line mm-hmm. for months going you know should I have this in this book you know should I not and um I you know the 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 publishing house that you eventually took it on uh Larrikin House uh we spoke about that line and they uh they said I was expecting them to come back because I had actually been uh, you know, approached by a couple of publishing houses along the path and I had rejected them because they had wanted to you know, change the book and yeah. take things out and stuff like that. And they, you know, uh, the Larrikin, um, they spoke to me about that line and they said, you know, um, we read that line and, you know, the, the two of them that was kind of reviewing it, like, you know, we... Uh, we kind of stopped because we were like, you know, is this, you know, are, are we allowed to have this in a children's book? And then, you know, they said, and I'm so grateful that they did, they just said, you know, this it, this book just needs this in there. You know, this yeah. is just, you know, this is part of having a shadow. You know, this is part of, you know, this is something that, you know, lots of people hide. This is something, you know, and, you know, it might have been a different conversation had, you know, the main character, you know, um, being, you know, gay or something like that, you know, um, we may have, might have had a very different conversation about the whole thing. Um, but I am so grateful that they uh, were willing to keep that in there. Um, and yeah, that, that one particular line, I have so many messages from both men and women and, you know, um, and gender non-binary people who um, just say that that one line, just validating, you know, uh, all of that, you know, is just so healing to have in a kid's book, you know. So thank you. Um, (laughs) you But, yeah, it's, it's amazing how much, 
you know, I had some very, very, very big publishers um, interested in the book, and that was one of the things they wanted to immediately strip out. Um, so thank you for validating that <laughs> you know, the fight to keep it in there was worth it. Well, thank you for fighting to keep it in there. Um, I wanted to ask as well how, you know, I mean, I assume he does. Does your son love the book? How has he found this all? He absolutely loves the book. Um, he, the thing that he really loves is he loves the concept of having shadow, a shadow or multiple shadows that reflect different parts of yourself. Yeah. You know, he has really kind of connected with that. Um, and I've been so blown away that so many other people have connected with that and you know, talk about their shadows and stuff. Um, but he absolutely loves it. Um, and it, it, he thinks it's it, he thinks it's kind of funny that I am like on TV and stuff. He thinks it's <laughs> kind of kind of funny. Uh, but there are times where he talks about like that it is cool. Um, and uh, he is really proud. Um, it's he's really proud of himself for yeah. having the courage to you know, kind of live his own life and be true to himself. And I'm kind of putting more adult phrases on that, you know, but he's yeah. very, you know, proud of himself that he's kind of, you know, expressing himself. And we had this newspaper article about us where a photographer came and all COVID safe, you know, took photos mm -hmm. of him in his, one of his Elsa costumes. And it was just this really beautiful kind of moment of acceptance and love where so many of his classmates, you know, send him messages and phone calls and stuff, you know, and pictures showing them, uh, showing his newspaper article on their walls. Um, and, you know, you boy, you know, totally like stereotypical, like boys, you know, supporting yeah. and loving him for it, you know, girls supporting him and loving him for it. So um, he has really loved the process, but it's also been uh, a process of, validation and you know kind of global acceptance and I mean don't we all wish we had that as a kid like everybody kind of accepting yeah. us for you know who we are um but yeah he's he's really loved the whole the whole the whole shebang yeah, yeah. so the cool and I want to say to our listeners as well if you're having a bad day go to Scott's Instagram because it's so many videos of your son just like dancing around in his dresses yeah. with the biggest girl on his face sometimes you're there with him and it's just it's intoxicating you ha you can't help but smile as well so yeah if you're in a bad mood go to go to scott's instagram he has brought videos. unbelievable joy to our lives you know and it's funny though because uh it was so easy you know i was brought up in a very rigid definition of masculinity i uh was the captain of rugby I lived very much in that, you know, you know, a man is a man, a woman is a woman, world, yeah. country, Queensland, um, a, a, an environment that wasn't particularly accepting or progressive. Um, and, you know, so when my son first expressed interest in wearing a dress, which was uh, an Elsa costume, um, I had massive amounts of discomfort around it. Um, and I am so grateful that I was at least self-aware enough to recognize that that discomfort wasn't 
from anything except just enormous cultural conditioning that I had been brought up with. Um, And so I still remember we kind of stepped back. My wife was 100% accepting and supportive from instant one, (laughs) you know, um, and I kind of stepped back and I said, you know, I was brought up, you know, even with how I was brought up very successful in, you know, the traditional, you know, masculine uh, endeavours, I, I was you know, still brought up with enormous judgment and fear of judgment and all that sort of stuff. And I just had this moment where I just thought, wouldn't it be great if he didn't have that, you know, and wouldn't it be great just like if I just kind of step back and just let's just see what happens for a day, you know, I can <laughs> tomorrow I can say no, you know, let's just see what happens. And he he put on that Elsa dress and just this level of joy erupted in him that I hadn't seen before and that has just been our journey just more and more joy coming into our family and now spreading out into the world (laughs) you know so yeah we have lots of fun with our uh fashion shows and dance parties and sometimes we share them yep yeah and I think that is like one of the messages that you're really putting out there is that it is okay if your first reaction is to be uncomfortable and that maybe you don't think it's quote-unquote right or something so long as you are open to changing that opinion and to and you know and then coming around um you know because it's it's okay to change your opinion about something and educate yourself and and learn and that's something that you're really putting out there yeah definitely I mean oh there's so much I could say about that but, you know, <laughs> Look, I, I think it's really easy to fall into the um, if you're uncomfortable, you're a bigot. Um, mm. And I think the nuanced reality of it is if you're uncomfortable or if you have a visceral reaction to anything, you are conditioned and probably a little brain washed you know and um <laughs> you know exactly and that's the thing aren't we all you're yeah. like you know I would have never ever in a million years said that I was someone with prejudice against this kind of thing you know never yeah. but then I still felt uncomfortable yeah. you know and all these you know um fears irrational fears that you know <laughs> so irrational you know but they have an emotional basis like well what if you know he gets bullied what if you know what if he comes like the the biggest one that I've gotten not from myself you but from other people saying what if this turns him gay and I'm like it's 2020 can we at least acknowledge that the turning (laughs) thing doesn't happen you know um I said but there is the reality of what if this you um allows him to now express that he is you know gay um and you would and you as a parent would rather you in your deepest darkest kind of part of you Mm -hmm. would rather that gets repressed you know um I think it's I think it's really really important to acknowledge um that there is discomfort and it's almost more beautiful to work through the discomfort um you because look everybody I know in my life and we have gone through you quite a few family and friends who have 
shown initial, sometimes like visceral uh, emotions and reactions to uh, my son being who he is. Mm -hmm. Everybody who has gone through the journey of not liking it to accepting it is now his biggest ally, you know, Um, and... I think sometimes we kind of cut people off a little too early. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But there is also at the same time a very, very healthy um, and needed cutoff at times too, you know. So, um, yes, discomfort is – I think that, you know, discomfort around it is fine if you are open and willing to change and more so willing to accept that somebody can be who they are. Yeah. Um, But I'm also about, like, you as an individual can cut those people out of your life if they're uncomfortable with you. You know, so, um, you know, there's the the whole nuanced kind of answer around that, yeah. (laughs) No, yeah, 100% agree with all of that. And um, I have seen as well, you know, you do sort of post at Instagram, you've posted a few things about, you know, as a parent, you know, what do you do if your child does do something to break gender stereotypes and, you know, how can you react to that? And that sort of does involve all the stuff we just talked about. But what have you gotten questions from parents? Do people sort of come to you for advice on these sorts of things now? Uh, yes, it is not a position I ever thought I would be in, but yes, um, I get so many both heartwarming and heartbreaking messages on a daily basis. Um, but so many parents reaching out and saying, I really, you know, this is probably the number one I get, you know, is my child, you know, is expressing themselves in this way. I really want to accept it but I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so afraid. I'm so, you know, what do I do? Um, and you know, so that's kind of the number one thing I, I get, um, lots of people, uh, kind of sharing their own journeys with me, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, either as adults or as your parents and showing you what their kids are doing. Um, lots of kids reaching out. Oh my goodness. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out the ethics of replying to kids on you. I haven't replied to any yet. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how I, you know, ethically do that, but you know, um, and, um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing what parents kind of reach out to me with. Um, I did this video on my TikTok a little while ago that was basically, I had a picture book and I was reading it. And the start of the picture book was once upon a time, there was a beautiful princess. And, uh, you know, kind of before I did the TikTok, I was reading this book and I thought, you know, isn't it kind of weird that that's how we describe the princess, which has absolutely nothing to do with the story? You know, like, <laughs> why is that like once upon a time there was a really smart princess or once yeah. upon a time there was, you know, if the story is about her beauty, cool, she's a beautiful princess, you know, but why isn't it just at least relevant to the story? You know, yeah. like once upon a time there was a princess who was allergic to shellfish, you know, um, <laughs> just, just something that they had a little bit of, book. <laughs> yeah, something that was had a little bit of relevance. Um, and so I put this video up, you know, kind of saying that I was basically changing the, the words and um, this mum reached out to me 
and she said that she does this with her daughters um, and you know, it, basically every children's book she reads them, she changes the words to be more empowering you know, for, for her daughters. And uh, every time she does this, her now ex-husband would kind of storm into the room, get furious and say, you know, not everything needs to be so damn political. Um oh. And so, you know, it's funny, though, because if you were to ask that parent, you know, that father any day of the week, do you want to empower your daughters? He would say, yes, of course. But in the moment of doing it, you know, he yeah. kind of um, can't handle it. Um, but that's mostly the stuff that, you know, a lot of parents kind of reach out to me. They want to, you know, accept and love their kids, but there is some reason they're struggling might be a family, you know, but my, but my mum won't accept it, you know, like their grandparents won't accept it. What do I do? You know, but I'm afraid that they'll get bullied. What do I do? But I'm afraid of persecution. What do I do? But I'm afraid of whatever, you know, that, you know, so it's, you know, almost all of it comes back to, you know, a fear of judgment and, you know, what people think and say and, you know, if harm will befall, befall them. And so I, I try to give, uh, I try not to give too much advice and just share our journey, but there is you know, knowledge I've picked up over years of reading and interviews and study around it that um, I'm willing to share um, and hopefully help some people. So, yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, now, sort of to get back to, to the book itself, you're, yep. you did a, a Kickstarter recently yes. um to get the funds together just turn my shadows pink into a short film which yes. is very exciting can you talk a bit about that yeah so um i had like from moment one i knew that i wanted this to be on screen um mm -hmm. i wanted it to be as a film animated um and you know creating an animated film is a highly expensive highly time consuming there's a reason there's not that many made and they're all 100 billion dollar budgets and stuff <laughs> like that um and so when uh, my book was when it got delayed you know i always had this intention of uh i'm i'm going to you know, try and turn it into a short film first and then use it to pitch in for a feature film and TV series mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and when it got delayed by COVID and pushback, I think it was like three months or two months or however long it got pushback, um, I decided, look, you know, there is no time like the present. Let's, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of launch this Kickstarter and see what happens. And so I launched a Kickstarter um, to raise $75,000 to create um, the short animated film. Mm -hmm. uh, immediately it you know, got massive attention and beautifully within days of just announcing it, announcing it not even launching it yet but announcing it i had hundreds of artists you know from disney dreamworks pixar netflix blue sky all reaching out wow. saying they'd love to work on this you know people who have been nominated for academy awards won baftas won emmys you know all saying they'd love to work on this project um and so i was immediately like well far out i better raise the funds um so <laughs> i uh, you know I, I launched the kickstarter um had a great start 30 days later with a few hours to go we reached our funding goal and so now Turning it into a film, um, it's going to be about the end of next year, about the end of 2021. It's going to come out. Um, wow. Super, super excited. Yeah. A lot of work to do, um, but it is bringing nothing but joy into my life. 
Yeah, that's so exciting. I'm, I'm so excited for that to come out. And um, I believe that you ended up, your animator is going to be Victor Hugo, who is not the Victor Hugo who wrote Les Mis, because <laughs> that one's dead. Um, so he, but, he's actually yeah. one of the um, character modelers. Um, yeah, okay. And uh, he, he is just just one of an amazing team, but he is, you know, he's the, he created the first ever 3D art for, um, for Marvel, um, you know, comics. He uh, worked on Moana. Um, he's worked for Netflix. You know, absolutely incredible talent. And I'm so grateful to have him on board. Yeah. That's super exciting. And did you ever, you know, you 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 are an illustrator you've done did you ever consider like oh maybe I could do the animation myself or was that sort of well, too much no 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 well funnily enough I I have a background in animation as well um yeah. kind of like the cacophony of careers kind of colliding <laughs> together um you know, but I there are definitely parts in the um when you're creating an animation you're an animated film there's what you call the pipeline, there's this process where you've got to create models and texture them and animate them and light them and, you know, all these sorts of different things. And, you know, I have uh, abilities in a couple of those pieces of the process, uh, which I'll be, you know, taking on, uh, but there are definitely pieces of that process that I do not have expertise in. <laughs> and fortunately, just so fortunately, you know, unbelievable artists are coming on board for that. So uh, I will be doing part of it, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but the, uh, m my name will be far outstripped by everybody else on there. So, yeah. <laughs> And do you have, I mean, you, you talked a little bit there about how you, you know, want to sort of put it into a feature film at some point. Do you have, you know, goals of, of writing other, you know, whether short or feature films in the future? Uh, yes. So I have already been uh, working on a couple and, uh, you know, My Shadow is Pink is already being, uh, there's interest in it being uh, picked up as a, a TV series and I've had interest um, in um, loose feature film adaptation. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I'm putting a lot of effort into that. You know, <laughs> but but there is, um, you know, I kind of have three parts of you know, my storytelling. I have you know, really empowering storytelling for kids. I've got just pure fun for kids. And then I've kind of got that more mature, like the kind of novel I was telling you about, mm -hmm. you know, you know, a lot kind of grittier, you know, um, kind of stuff. And so I'm currently also working on a uh, feature film script that's uh, significantly older and would not be recognised as something I have done. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, but yes, definitely moving into that space is something I want to do. And the beautiful thing about running that Kickstarter and getting so much, you know, global media attention about it is uh, now I'm in the unbelievably, you know, fortunate position of, you know, having some networks and production companies coming to me rather than having to yeah. do that eternal process of you know, trying to reach out to all of them cold. So, um, so yes, stay tuned. You know, yeah, no, TBC. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I wanted to ask, what do you think is the most surprising thing that you found in you know the whole experience of this? 
Oh, um, that's a great question. Uh, there's definitely stuff that's been really surreal, mm-hmm. um, like you know Danny Minogue's unbelievable support of uh, the whole project, um, and like getting an Instagram message from Kylie Minogue. Um, Damn. And, you know, just a bunch of you know, big celebrities kind of reaching out and, you know, um, expressing their support. And, you know, so that's been really surreal. Um, Surprising, I I guess probably the most surprising thing is, uh, how do I put this? It's kind of like how once you, I remember somebody saying to me a long time ago that the easiest way to, like make a hit movie is to already have had a hit movie, um, yeah. you know, because yeah. then like all the doors are suddenly open, you know, um, and it, I've been really surprised by the opportunities and doors that are opening from having one hit book, you know, it's yeah. uh, amazing. Um, but I guess, you know, surprising Actually, I will say one thing that is surprising. In 2020, I didn't think that we were still at a stage where, um, uh, you know, girls can't be anything they want to be. I didn't realise we were still there. Um, And, uh, (laughs) you know, I I guess that's extreme naivete, (laughs) you know. Uh, But um, I have since realised, since coming online and this entire process, that that is, you know, we are still so far from just pure acceptance and you know uh unconditional acceptance and love for you know for everybody but um yeah i guess that's kind of the uh the the negative surprise that i've had (laughs) but it's valid as well because you you sort of use that to you know push things further and have you had i mean obviously you've had an overwhelming amount of positive response but have you gotten a lot of negativity as well Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, mostly from young men. Um, and, you know, mostly you can just immediately tell how um, it's easy to say, like, they're, um, like, sexually repressed or, like, gender repressed or uh, repressed or something like that. But I find it more they just – you can immediately tell how repressed they are in their expression. Like, they just can't express themselves and they're so, yeah. like, conditioned in a certain way. Um, but, yeah, definitely, you know, a lot of negative stuff, you know, had the death threat, you know, um, the the um, the in- – the unbelievable kind of nature of like a a seven year old living a life you're know, true to themselves is so confronting to grown men you know mm-hmm. um, you know but yeah there, there's definitely been negativity um, but you know, fortunately I have been a uh, I've I've received you know, I, I'm very open to receiving it you know I yeah. really it really does not phase me in the slightest. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people say that and then kind of go home and cry. And I have been that person, you know, before saying it doesn't phase me. And then, but inside I'm like, but it hurts so much. Yeah. Um, you know, but it really doesn't phase me at all because I truly, truly believe in what I'm saying and talking about and creating. Um, so if somebody doesn't agree with it, I just, I 
completely just you know well that's you can live your life this way yeah life I'm trying to live you know so yeah do you tend to go more down the ignore or the education route um education is an interesting thing because uh you're as much as I would love to educate um it doesn't work um you know especially around well in the context of what I am talking yes, about, yes. you know, where it, emotions are high, mm-hmm. um, where, uh, you know, people have been brought up to believe that anything outside of their rigid rules for life is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, you know, there are so many talking points out there which are kind of unbelievably toxic, you know, but, you know, talking points about how even just somebody wanting to, you know, or sorry, somebody expressing themselves um, as gender non-binary, like that is so peaceful and doesn't affect anybody, <laughs> you know. But you know, there's people, there's so many talking points about how terrible that is and all that sort of stuff, you know. So um, I generally just kind of hit the ignore and delete and yeah. uh, don't think about them for a second again but yeah. I have gone down a couple of I have gone down a couple of like rabbit holes of education and every time I do that I walk away two hours later going oh it's got to like yeah. when will you learn just stop replying yeah. to these people <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. awesome now we are sort of getting to the end of this and I like to ask a random question each episode yep. uh to my guests and it's different each time right. so my random question for you is what is your pet peeve mm. okay um Oh, that is it's strangely hard for me to answer because I <laughs> find most things fantastic. Um, oh, that's such a good way to look at this. Let me let me think about this for a second. Um, okay, this is. Oh my gosh, I know my wife is going to listen to this. Um, <laughs> so I I uh, every now and then is it's very rare, but every now and then, um, like I'll I'll get my wife to. Um, write something for me on like socials or something like I'll say can you just write this 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 yo and then um, post it and um, uh, I I hate having bad spelling you know being (laughs) you know put under my name Um, and especially as a writer like it's it Oh, it's only happened a couple of times, but I'll like, I'll open it up and I'll read it and I'll just be like, oh, you know, and then like, I'll, um, and then of course, you know, because I'm a people pleaser, I am just like, you know, thank you so much. That's amazing. I love it. Um, and then just like, you know, seethe for <laughs> you know, 30 minutes um, going, there's an apostrophe in your, um, you know, is so um, that's probably, you know, one of my few pet peeves. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, because I put up, you know, posts for each episode that comes out and I generally put up one that, you know, is a quote from what someone said in the episode. And I put one up for, um, I think it was, you know, the seventh episode and, you know, 
put the post up, went to work, all good, and was suddenly getting, like, messages from, like, my friends being like, Chelsea, there's no A in border. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm at work. I can't do anything. It's all on my computer at home. So I'm yep. just like, I just put up with this all day until yep. I get home and then I can replace the picture. Yeah, but, well, I, 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 anybody else, like, I'm, t- you know, there are people who, like, pick up a book and, like, they hit a, a, a spelling error and throw the book in the bin and like this is a piece of trash like you know or like feel the need to comment on other people's posts and stuff like that is not me at all i don't care about anybody else's spelling in the world except for my own. <laughs> so um like e- even uh, and if i spell something my myself i'm totally fine with that too yeah. um you know but um yeah it's it's kind of a weird pet peeve but you know it is what it is Totally fair. I would say my pet peeve is um, when, like, either light switches or, like, PowerPoint switches are on with nothing in them or no one in the room. Like, just they're not being used whatsoever. And it just, yeah, that's probably my – have you got one like, next to you? Oh, like, I'm looking around and, like, literally every empty socket no. has it is switched on. So. No. <laughs> that's gone. <laughs> And now my final question for you, which is a question I ask everybody that comes on the show. The show is called Loud and Seemingly Confident because that's how I want to describe myself. Do you consider yourself a confident person? Hmm. Uh, I... I guess, yeah, I'd have to say yes. Um, I'm very confident, um, but I'm confident on my own terms and confident in the context um, where I... I know we're at the end of the show, but I'm just kind of dying to give context around that answer. Um, you know, so like my wife and I were professional swing dancers, you know, and awesome. I was a, yeah, I was a professional for, I don't know, a decade or something. Um, and I was 100% com- confident and comfortable at all times to go and perform and compete and all those sorts of things, you know. Um, but then somebody asked me to, yeah, it was kind of funny. They hired me to be a professional dancer for like this motorbike launch. And it was as a solo dancer, not as a partner dancer. Oh. And I didn't realize that. And I rolled up and I've never solo danced in my life, you know, and suddenly I was expected to be like a break dancer or something. Um, and I was so wildly uncomfortable and not confident at all. Um, you know, yeah. but I, I, I will say um, in our household, uh, confidence has a very specific definition, and that is having the bravery to be yourself, even in the face of discomfort and disapproval. Um, and I would say in that context, I feel extremely confident at all times. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, really cool. That's such a good definition. And I also now have a request that you put a video of you and your wife swimming dancing on social media. <laughs> I, might, I might do a little throwback video on there or something at some point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been such a lovely chat. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe, rate, leave a review. It really helps this get seen by more people. You can follow me on Instagram at Chelsea J. Heaney. That's H-E-A-N-E-Y. Or you can follow the podcast at Loud and Seemingly Confident on both Instagram and Facebook. Scott, where can people find more about you? Um, if they just go to at Scott Creates on uh, Instagram and same thing on TikTok, but there's a full stop in the middle, scott.creates. Um, they're my two biggest platforms and uh, myshadowispink.com kind of pushes you 
towards yeah. my website and stuff like that. So. Awesome. And everyone should definitely go get a copy of this book because it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Scott. Thanks, Chelsea. Cheers. Awesome.